part of, I think, is what the focus of is pertinent to what we're talking about here. Yeah, fantastic. Lisa. Okay. Hi, I'm Lisa. Um, I was a teacher for 30 years, and for nine of those years, I was a head teacher. And then a year or so ago, my life completely changed, um, and I'm now a foster carer and guardian to two children. So um, my front line has changed somewhat. And also, um, I'm supporting my terminally ill sister, um, who, according to the doctor, shouldn't be with us. Um, she had, was given two weeks to live in January, and then they re, um, looked at that in June and gave her two to three weeks in June, and I took her out for lunch on Friday. So, um, so that's the front line as well, quite yeah, unexpected, yeah. dealing yeah. with... Um, yeah. Grieving friends and yeah. family and medical yeah. people. Wonderful, thank you. Scovia. Um, hello, my name is Scovia Pearson. I'm married to Andrew. Uh, two children, Aita who is three and a half, and Awani who just made eight. I'm a teacher, and I used to teach in Uganda. And uh, almost two and a half years ago, we moved back to the UK um, to be with my late terminally ill father-in-law and uh, I've got, my front lines have changed as well. Um, in the past it was teaching children who came from really difficult backgrounds, broken families, low-income families, child-led families, but now my front line is more being a stay-at-home mom um, and dealing with the uncertainties that visa issues bring and um, as well as the grief that comes from losing, uh, losing a loved one in the family, and yeah. and as well as um, the last one that's still bothering is um, dealing with a traumatic um, pregnancy and birth and labor and, and all that. Yeah, so yeah, it's a huge list. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Raya. Um, so I am an intellectual property administrator for a law firm. Um, I've actually only been there for about 10 months now, so still fairly new to the role. And for me, it's been a big change because it's a whole new um, industry that I'd not done before. So yeah, that's my front line is essentially at my workplace. So do you want to just say some, maybe an opportunity where you've, well, where you've seen being a Christian in your character has been expressed um, in just how you live and how you, how you work in that context? Um, so I guess for me, um, I have um, also lost a loved one um, about five years ago now. My mum died, which was a massive challenge for me. But I think it's also um, given me the opportunity to develop a lot of my character because I've really found like a real joy and peace throughout the whole process. So obviously when it first happens, you're devastated. And then over time, you kind of channel it into other ways of working. And I think for a lot of my um, colleagues, when I've shared with them, you know some of the things that have happened and what's going on in my life they're amazed that I still come to work with a smile on my face and that you know I'm joyful throughout the day and you know first thing in the morning I'm like good morning how is everyone um, and I think that just makes a huge difference for them to see that it's not kind of destroyed my character okay thank you Lisa would you be do you want to go back to your teaching days and your head and just maybe an opportunity you've had to express something of Christian character to um, I would say I developed a lot more patience um, moving from teacher to head teacher um, and understanding and empathy that staff 
particularly that all parents were being difficult and making my life really difficult. Um, when you unpicked it, were actually really hurting. Um, so I think character-wise for me, I really developed my empathy. Um, and believe it or not, being a stay-at-home mum, carer to two, um, or three, sorry, children with, who've come with a lot of trauma has also really developed my patience. Um, I've got more patience than I really thought I had, um, but that has definitely come from God and a lot of praying because, again, they're hurting, and so sometimes their behaviours can be quite extreme. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's definitely okay. from God. So I'm going to go to Ian, and I'm going to ask you a slightly different question. But, so one of the questions we've explored a little bit over the weeks is, is that everything that we do, we do it unto God. So every part of our work is, is valued by God. So what, what, does, what does good work look like in your kind of everyday? Well, I, I, think, I think I come from the point of view of being a, uh, it's a beacon uh, of, of what Christian work and what Christian person is in work. And that manifests in a number of different ways and provides opportunities. God provides the opportunities to, to demonstrate that. And it resonates a little bit with what others have said. Um, I deal with a number of students um, that are in pretty horrific situations. Okay. So it's having that, that patience and that, that ability to empathise with them, to actually see them through. They, they've got some really challenging situations. Yeah. And whilst it's easy to see sometimes that actually it's not that difficult, you should maybe just get on with it, it's actually having that patience to get to the root cause of what the problem is and seeing that through. It's actually bringing those, those students on. I have the same thing with staff and the same thing happens. So it's that, that patience, empathy and ability to, to, to work with people and, and, and just be good and be a beacon for that goodness. Okay, great, fantastic. Scovie, I'm going to come to you. What does good work look like for you in your context? Um, at the moment, it's just the being able to <clears throat> achieve the day-to-day -day tasks. Um, that may seem mundane, yeah. but... Yeah, and for tell it. us about the challenges of that. Um, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough. You know, um, there are days when I'm able to finish all the items on my to-do list, and there are days when Andrew gets home and I still don't know what I'm cooking for dinner. So uh, it, it depends, really. But if I'm able to strike off things on my to-do list, if we've not had many tantrums, um, if um, I've managed to read a bit. That, for me, is miraculous. Is miraculous. <laughs> it's a good day's work. But also, um, I try to, when I'm out and about, I try to talk to new people wherever I go, shopping, uh, while I'm waiting at the bus stop, I try to talk to you know people, just or smile, or I consider that to be part of my day's yeah. work as well. So I, I try to do that as, as much as possible. Okay. Yeah. Rhea, tell us so tell us about what your job actually involves and what does good work in property, intellectual property, whatever it was. <laughs> tell us again. <laughs> so my role is a support based role. Um, okay. so there are several um, attorneys and theurners that I work with, and essentially I have to. Um, do their paperwork well I say paperwork it's not paper but um, do all the administration part of their positions yeah. uh, sending and receiving emails um, 
basically organising their trips for them. And I guess good work is just being as um, supportive as I can. And um, like I'm secretary to the office managing director, and he's always saying to me, "Oh, you must really struggle with me because he can, you know, lose receipts and stuff like that." But I have a lot of patience in that, and I'm just like, "No, it's no problem." And I think that's what's important is that you just get on with your work. And sometimes it might present a couple of challenges. You have to work around things, but it's just you know being there to be a convenience and just saying, yeah, no problem, whatever you need, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and I guess my incentive would be different to my colleagues. Yeah, okay, great, great. I'm coming over to Lisa as well, if you want to answer that question. Um, in your current context or in any context? Um, I think good works for me is how I deal on a day-to-day -day basis with people that I, they come across. Yeah. From, um, I'm very lucky that I get to go up the wonderful Licky Hills every day with the dogs after the school run um, and just making relationships with other dog walkers and listening to them and talking to um, meetings that I go to for being a foster carer. Yeah. Um, and also modelling to the children that we're all worth a lot in God's eyes. And I had one incident where we would, I was driving home with Con, and it was dark and it was wet. And as I drove past this lady, she was crying at the side of the road. And so I turned the car around and Con got really frightened because as the lady came to the car, she was drunk and um, quite distressed. And so I said to her, how can I help you? And Con just kept saying, don't, don't. And um, the lady had had an argument with her um, partner. She was drunk. And um, she said to me in front of Con, she said, thank you for stopping. I've been here an hour and you're the first car to stop and say, are you okay? Um, I had to leave her. I offered her money and she said no. So I took Con home because it was just around the corner. And when I went back, she'd gone. But it was a good opportunity to talk that through with Con to say, you need to stop, you need to ask the question. Yeah. Um, so just, just, just day to day. That's brilliant. So that, that whole opportunity of kind of expressing love to people, grace to people, just having the time to stop and to ask. And what about others, other times in your work, maybe in your workplace or whatever, where you've had that opportunity with interaction to, to just go the extra mile for someone or get alongside someone? Any examples? Yes, yeah, Scovia. One of my friends in Uganda um, has been going through a really difficult time. And she was serving in church and very happy, seemed happy, but had no idea what was going on in the background. And um, basically, she's been through um, rejection by her family. She lost her mom, and then her family rejected her, and then she lost the property that her mom left her. And then she discovered the person she thought was her dad was not her biological dad. And then she dis found her biological dad and he didn't, he rejected her. And she's gone through depression and suicide attempts and, and all sorts. And uh, it's only by getting alongside her and asking questions, are you okay? Can we go out for a cup of coffee? Do you need to talk? And just probing that she was able to open up. and. Um, over a period of about two years, our last two years in Uganda, I was able to just sit with her, pray with her, you know, go to her home when she was desperate and needed someone to talk to, uh, shop for her when she didn't have any money, just 
be a shoulder to cry on. And yeah. it's been a long journey. And um, when we went to Uganda in the summer, she told me when she's going through difficult times, I'm not there anymore, but she just remembers our conversations and she remembers the kindness and she remembers the laughs and she remembers my boy Aita and how, you know, they used to have fun together whenever she came. She remembers those fun times and the joy that we brought to her life and it gives her energy and courage to, to keep going because she knows there are people out there who still care, so yeah. she doesn't just give up yeah. and try that to... That hope is yeah, so important exactly. for people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ian, were you going to share something? Okay, yeah, yeah there, is a, there is an example um, recently um, where I had uh, a PhD student who had actually been through his viva and failed. Um, and that is quite a traumatic proceedings for the individual, having worked for four years to produce this thing, um, yeah. be told that it's not good enough. But this is a person that had gone through quite a lot of trauma uh, and um, a lot of things that had affected him in his life. He's, he's from um, Nigeria. There had been a lot of issues to do with the family and the support of the family and the conflict. Um, it transpires when the conversation, it turns out he's a Christian. So actually that gave an opportunity to pray. And that journey of prayer that went through that with him has actually brought him um, peace, uh, brought him to, to a realization that maybe God has opened up a different door and that maybe this is, out of these ashes comes, there is opportunities. And it's been, it's been particularly powerful and inspirational that journey that we've shared together. And I think that's been a particularly, particularly um, uh, valuable experience for me personally in, in, in my own life and own journey. Yeah, yeah, great, wonderful. A whole other area that we could explore a little bit is, is culture. So we, we, a society is full of culture that is, and we live a kind of counter-cultural way as Christians. Often an organisational culture that we, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's, it's bad, sometimes there are things that we want to change in that. Um, it may be even family culture or um, you, you're part of a sports team or something in your leisure. And as a Christian, you, there's that kind of, how do we live counterculturally? Has any of you got an example or stories where you've challenged that or have kind of been aware of that? Um, when I got my headship, um, I was very naive. Um, I went for the interview um, for practice because it was my first interview and they very quickly offered me the job and I should have been very suspicious <laughs> because it was a broken school that I was walking into and I, I didn't realise but it was obviously now the school I was meant to go to. Um, it was a failing school, the previous head had gone under a vote of no confidence, the staff were really demoralised the children were underachieving, and I was a new head, new to headship. Then I found out the school was in quite a lot of deficit. So I remember sitting in my office thinking, okay, um, where do I start? And um, nine years later, um, I was head of an outstanding school, and the HMI that was part of the inspection team commented on the culture and the ethos. And so I was really privileged to have been able to work my values and my visions into that school. Um, all the staff, um, nine years later, were on board. Um, Can you give us an example of one of those values? Um, everything was um, underpinned by positive relationships and kindness, trust, love, yeah. integrity all Christian values. 
um, but everybody bought into them. And quite quickly, I informed the staff that I was a Christian. And um, over time, um, I started to pray with some staff in school who were also Christians. Um, and sometimes when staff came to me with problems, I would say, I will pray for you. Um, I would be very careful who I said that to. And sometimes they would allow me to pray with them okay. um, as well. Wow. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate, and looking back at that school now, it's had another Ofsted um, about eight months after I left, and it was still outstanding, and they commented still on their positive relationships yeah. and the ethos. So the staff it's have, have carried it's that on, yeah. That's wonderful. What about other stories? Yeah, Scorvia, you look like you've got something to share. Yeah, something I'm really passionate about. Um, I had the privilege in Uganda of... Um, volunteering with a ministry at our church that works with street children in the streets of Kampala. And I was part of a team that managed to change the narrative for most of these children. Um, the perception of street children in Kampala is that they're thieves, they're drug dealers, they're pimps, they're, they're filthy, they're dirty, they're disgusting. And yet, we welcomed them to church they were able to sit you know, among the congregation. Um, we were able to, we showed love to them, hugging them, treating them, treating them like, you know, with dignity. And not many churches were doing that. Yeah. And they always asked us, how are you guys different? Why are you, why, why do you do this for us? They were very suspicious and they had the right to be suspicious. And our church was founded in, um, was located downtown Kampala. For those who've been to Uganda and you understand Kampala, you know what downtown Kampala means. It's very seedy, it's very difficult, it's where all the thugs hung out, and that's where the church was. And whenever things went wrong, um, people would rush up to church and try to attack the kids because they thought they were the guilty parties. And we, we defended the children, we stood up you know, for them and we protected them. And, and eventually, they grew to trust us. Um, many of them are now in ministry. They are grown young men who have a livelihood, who have a, live in a stable home. They've had an education. And we've created an atmosphere and a culture, a church, where they are welcome to have a meal, to have some first aid, to even have, have a nap if they've not had a, yes, a safe, exactly, a safe place for them to be. And that culture has continued at, at Calvary Chapel fantastic. Kampala, so I'm really, I'm really passionate about yeah, that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing, that's fantastic. Rhea, have you got any, any, whether you may not have changed culture, but culture that you feel needs challenging or you struggle with in your work context? Yeah, I mean, I guess I touched on this slightly earlier. Um, I think for me it's just really important to be like a positive impact at work and um, I think, I mean I've got a great workplace, everyone is friendly already, um, you know it's not the kind of place where people talk badly about each other, like it is a really good workplace so I do see that but obviously there is a lot of room for growth there and it is actually important to stand out from everyone else and in some ways it's quite hard because it is a lovely place to work that um, I do find it almost a little bit more challenging to 
be slightly different to everyone else um but it i have had a lot of comments from colleagues just um like in the mornings and stuff when they've said oh how are you so happy this morning and um you know one of my bosses said to me oh you've always got a smile on your face and it's really lovely like first thing in the morning everyone's really grumpy um i mean i don't necessarily see that but they see that so i think that's quite important i think having that kind of culture is positive and kind of just showing them that that can be how we can all be is quite a good thing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Great. Do you want to add to that? Yeah. yeah okay. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, it's really, there's, there's also a prayer built into this because I'm in a position now um, uh, of actually responsibility and leadership where I can actually affect a change of culture. Uh, and that's an awesome responsibility uh, dealing with that. And actually, when Tim was um, talking last week, there was an inspirational piece of, uh, that he referred to, which I've actually, that actually resonated. Uh, and that was when we were talking about Hebrews, and it's Hebrews 24, and it said, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And I actually, that encapsulates what I think I, I have to do. And that was extremely um, uh, inspirational. It, it's God, and it's God speaking to me about the opportunities and utilizing that. So that was a really powerful message that came out of last week's sermon. Yeah, brilliant. And I know you, you've got, do you want to say something about Tuesday? <laughs> okay, um, I, I, I'm... Uh, interviewing for the role in a more permanent capacity uh, for head of school so i have an interview um it's tuesday at 8:20. so those of you who know me that means i have to be wake up a bit in the morning which is going to be probably a bigger challenge than the interview um so uh, so i just prayers that, that, that god will open the door if that's the right door to open um uh, you know if it's not then that's fair enough there'll be another opportunity and god will lead me to where he needs yeah. me to go so it's just prayers that i have peace and i have the wisdom and and an and acceptance of which way way god's going to take me yeah we'll be praying for that greater influence uh, whatever that looks like just uh, as we sort of uh, not quite finished but has anybody had opportunity um and i know this can be difficult to on your front line to share something of your faith verbally with someone or to pray you've mentioned about praying with someone just anything where you've been able to connect with people in sharing gospel sharing faith with people um i have become guardian to um a young girl who's now 10 and her mum was one of my parents at school and it was extremely sad and very traumatic um, I was in a meeting after school one, one evening, it was a Wednesday, and this parent came, like, bursting through the door, and she'd been given the news up the road that um, she was terminally ill, and she was hoping for two, two and a half years of life. Um, it turned out she had two months, um, but I was able to share quite a lot of my faith with this parent because um, I, I supported her to try and find a home for her daughter because she was a single mum. And then I told her that I would take care of her and explain that the reason that I was doing that was, uh, was because it's what I felt God um, wanted me to do. Um, and that her daughter would be okay. Um, and I don't know her journey, you know, on her deathbed because I, I wasn't around. Yeah. Um, but I know it gave her a lot of peace to know that her daughter yeah. was going to be okay. And she knew my beliefs and my values and she wanted me to have her. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Oh, that's, that's massive, isn't it? Anyone else? Let's go over here. Oh, got your rare first. Rare first. <laughs> So I've got one example, um, it's actually in my previous workplace, um, when I went away with work to Birmingham, funnily enough, um, when I lived in Lincoln, and um, my boss asked me what it was that motivated me. So in that time, I basically quoted to him the Bible verse, um, whatever you do, work in it with all your heart, is working for the Lord and not human masters. Um, and I just said to him that it was really important to me that I did a good job because um, actually it wasn't just that I was working for my boss, but actually for me it's bigger than that. So that was a really good opportunity. Um, but when I kind of look at my um, everyday like as it is, I think the fact that your colleagues know that you're a Christian, um, you know, it can be like in very little ways, you can talk about it and they see the way you behave, the way you speak, the way you act. And it is kind of a reminder that everything you do and say is actually a reflection on you sharing your faith with your colleagues. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, everything that we do and say, that's big. Yeah. Um, what she's just said um, is kind of, I've got two stories, it's, it's similar to what's happened to me. Um, as a teacher, I've always purposed to reflect my Christian values in everything that I do in school. And I remember my first year teaching, fresh from college, very enthusiastic. Um, after about one time, I got uh, a 14-year-old boy come to me and uh, at the end of the day, and he asked, um, Miss, and I have a question, are you Christian? And this was a very Catholic school, very strict. No, um, they frowned upon anything that was not Catholic. And I thought, hang on, where is he coming from with this question? But I decided to be truthful and I said yes. And um, eventually we had several conversations and he showed interest in, in faith. Turns out he was at a point where he was trying to decide what to do with his life, which church to go to, whether to join ministry or not. So with his mother's consent, I was able to guide him through this process and he ended up joining our church and joining the worship team and going to music school to become a ministry, worship ministry leader. And he's right now a very talented musician in Kampala. And every time I look at him, I'm just filled with so much joy that when he asked me that question, I did not shy away and yeah. I was truthful. And the second example is uh, on, on the 3rd of June, 2015, we lost our first baby at about 16 weeks pregnancy. And it happened a day after we told everyone that we were pregnant. And then we had to tell them again that we were not. And it was really hard. I remember the first uh, few days of grief, um, one of my friends came over and he said, um, he apologized for what he was about to say. He thought it was not going to sound empathetic, but he thought God was making us go through this so we would be able to help people in future. And it didn't feel like that at that time, but boy was he right, because a few months down the road, um, I was encouraging friends who were going through the same, because they'd had were going through the same, and we seemed to have come out at the other end of the tunnel. And uh, I remember when we had Aita, during his dedication, our minister asked us to share our experience. And 
at the end of the service, um, a gentleman came and, and he spoke to me and told me about his sister who had gone through similar difficulties. She's lost about three pregnancies. She wasn't Christian and she was really struggling and he got me in touch with her and I was able to encourage her. So through the pain and through the loss, God has used us to encourage and to give other people strength and to show them that you know there is yeah. hope and, and there is love and, and with Christ you don't have to deal with the pain alone, mm. you know, that he's there to hold you and to and to comfort you and to fill you with peace and love.